everyone, and welcome to CommanderCast, episode 256. We're your weekly source for community strategy and technology, hosted on mtgcast.com and our home site, CommanderCast.com. Uh, today, we've got a guest with us, special guest Nick. And uh, it's just going to be me and Clay and Nick today. So it's a, it's a pared-down three-person cast, but I think it's going to be uh, a nicely focused, I think, the, uh, the preferential way to say it. So let's start off with some intros. Uh, everybody knows me. I'm the casual scrub in the podcast. Uh, I'm the guy who hosts the, the, the site and complains about how much, I don't know, he doesn't get a chance to play enough derpy effects like Vitalizing Wind. Um, but uh, we'll start off with guests. So, Nick, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, hey, my name's Nick. Uh, I'm from Minnesota. I've been playing Magic for about 15 years or so. I think I started drafting in, like, Time Spiral Block, so that was pretty fun. Um, then I started playing EDH very soon after that. I remember trading away, like, a Tarmogoyf for, like, just crappy EDH cards. And it was <laughs> hey, man, we've all been there. Very funny. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I started there. Uh, I have currently... Over 20 EDH decks, which is way too many because I don't get a chance to play them all. And then, of course, I fall behind on <laughs> updating them. <laughs> Never I don't too know many. How, I don't know how Will does it. <laughs> I know, right? Like it's the curse. I don't have 20, but I probably, I'm probably easing. I'm, I'm inching up there. I think I probably got like 15 or 16 by now. And uh, that's the thing, right? Like you don't want to take apart the old deck, but you want to build a new deck. And so, yeah, that's that's how my wife ends up yelling at me because I just end up taking up bookshelf space or an entire bookshelf at this point. I have finally gotten to the point where I'm comfortable taking cards out of my older decks to put together new ones. <laughs> it's weird that that's like a, that's a hump you have to get over, right? Yeah, because just... I realize that I don't play the other ones enough to justify keeping together exactly yeah. as they are, but I can usually remember what I take out and put into other things. So. I, I hear you. I've become cold <laughs> over the time. Over time, <laughs> I used yeah. to be like all sentimental. I'd be like, "Dromar the Banisher." Oh no! <laughs> and now I just like rip it apart. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. Like every time I go on um, like General Damage Control or something, or one of the the other sites we're uh, we're not affiliated with, but we're we're good friends with them over there too. Um, and I'll always read about Cassidy ripping apart a deck. You know, like he'll come home from playing and just rip it apart. Like I love those articles because I'm like, dude, you have. You are so much better than me. I could, I could never just rip it apart and go from scratch. I feel like I'm always like, I'll tweak it and I'll update it and I'll maybe change it a little bit. You know, like maybe I'll change out a commander and that changes the focus of the deck. That's about as close as I get. I don't know that I've ever completely unsleeved a deck before and just started from scratch. <laughs> it's always good. I try to, I try to take apart the deck that's like shares a couple of colors. That way I can leave some of the lands in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, saves sleep- like five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Sleeving up a mana base, easily the least fun part of putting together a new uh, commander deck, right? So, ooh boy, love to put... Constructing your mana base. Yeah, I know. Yeah, putting the, the basic lands in sleeves. Yay! But, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Clay, how about you do a- introduce yourself for all the people who have heard you for the last hundred or so episodes? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I am Clay. I am the Commander Panda. Um... Yeah, I play a lot of EDH over the summer, and yeah, I kind of exist in this weird void of needing to do work for the upcoming semester and wanting to just look at Magic and play Overwatch instead. Oh, I kind of wish you would cut that. I I kind of wish you were just going to cut that as I exist in a weird void and just like leave it there. I mean, I was (laughs) going to, but then I figured I should follow up. Oh, they did reprint Void, so... 
Yeah, see, there you go. Oh, it would have been with all the crazy Eldrazi leeches and shit. Like, it would have been really good, man. You know, it would have been really I mean, Shadows of Innistrad theme. The uh, the Spirit of EDH crap deck is getting a few upgrades now. <laughs> yeah, you could have existed in the moon, or actually been in prison. But I guess, well, whatever. Who cares? Um, Quake, can you also read off our Patreon stuff? Oh uh, yeah. Um, for any of you guys out there who are who enjoy what we do here on Commander Cast, the uh, the videos and the articles and the various podcasts that we host on our website, you can go over to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash commandercastnetwork. The link is down in the show notes. Um, they, we currently have 13 people that are donating to us each month, um, and depending on what tier, you can get different perks. Um, you can donate as little as $1 to make sure that we can keep our servers running. Um, if you go up to $3, you can help participate in the podcast itself uh, when we have our Patrons' Choice episodes, where you guys, the patrons, get to choose what we talk about. And if you jump up to $5, you can get access to the Alpha Build series videos early. They're really cool. Um, basically, William has been starting at the very beginning of Magic with um, Avacyn Guardian Angel as a commander, and just every time... Like, I think it's maybe every week or so, he just adds the next set as it came out in Magic. I think he's up Visions, um, which should start getting pretty interesting. Um, and the Patreon funds do help him get all the cards and such that he needs for that and helps us keep our website running so that we can keep bringing you what we hope is some of the best Commander-related content on the internet. Um, we also have a uh, YouTube channel where... Um, the alpha build videos are posted, and we also have a subreddit, um, our commander cast. If you want to chat with us there, nice. Well, hi, thank you very much. Um, we are going to launch right into the community segment this week, folks. This week we're going to have a free for all roundtable on house rules, or you know what is the equivalent of free parking in your meta. What happens when house rules butt up against rules committee things? What things do you just kind of let slide, or what things do you really, I don't know, tamp down or enforce or add a little spice to? Um, I'm always interested in hearing about what other people do around their metas. Um, so that's it. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Funny you mention uh, Monopoly as house rules. I actually have something to that. Nice. I mean, I always think of it as, like, the free parking for this, like, because everyone yeah. has some house rules, you know? Like, I don't know. It's a... I, I thought it would be a good topic to kind of sink our teeth into, because everybody has something. I originally was going to write an article about this, but I'm like, no, this would be way more fun just talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> you can do both. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> just <Yeah>. transcribe <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> yeah, look at me. Did you... Yeah. Alrighty, folks, we are back with our community segment. Uh, and this week we're gonna have a free-for-all roundtable on house rules. So the, the so-called free, or what I'm gonna so-call free parking in your meta. Um, so what do these things happen? What do they look like in your meta? What kind of things do you guys gonna let slide? Um, perhaps the most contentious of all issues, uh, which I think I'll throw out there. Do you guys allow takesies, backsies? It depends on the situation. Um, a lot of the time, we've been actually trying to, like, elevate the level of technical play in our play group, at least in, like, the core five or six of us that there are. So, like, if someone misses an incredibly vital trigger, but they, like, pass and people have already done stuff after that, we're just like, no, man, you missed yeah. it. Um, <laughs> Five-second rule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of. But for the most part, 
people at least are very sure of what they're doing. So we don't need to have take these backsies nearly as often as nearly as often as like lower level playgroups do, which I find very nice. And sometimes we're feeling nice and it will work, but eh, not really. Yeah, I was listening to the uh, Command Zone podcast earlier, and they had an episode on how to play faster, and they said that they don't to play faster. They don't allow any take backs because it just good point. moves the game along a little bit. So in my play groups, we've uh, generally we don't do take backs as much, but um, mostly just because everyone wants to win. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's as much about time, but uh, yeah, that's I mean, an interesting point. I think it reminds me of I mean, some people. I've played in play groups that do allow Tixies backsies, and it's it always becomes just the time travel approach, man. Like sometimes you literally have to rewind the game, you know? Like, oh, well, you got to go back through and you undo your turn, and then you undo your turn. I'm like, seriously? Like we just undid the last? We have to replay the last twenty minutes? And some people are cool with that. Um, I mean, hey, people out there, if you're cool with that, please let me know because I don't know. Maybe you just have all the time in the world. Like, I don't know, man. I I can't do that. That would drive me bananas if I tried. Um, but who knows? I mean, takes these backs aren't the the only thing uh that that we house rule. For instance, like um, how about mulligans? You know, like for a long time, I think I do the partial Paris now, or now that now that the partial Paris also includes, you know, like the the scry, like the free scry. I do that. I never used to do the partial Paris back in the day, ever. I don't care what the rules committee said, like, we just never did. The technical, quote-unquote, official mulligan is the regular shuffle the whole thing, um, redraw, regular mulligan. Didn't they change it to the Vancouver? Um, Yeah, the Vancouver mulligan. Um, So, we basically don't allow partialing anymore, um, because it promotes greedier deck building. And yeah, it really helps the combo decks the most. Yeah. Mm. So like, yeah, sure, you might have to cut one or two cards to put more lands in your deck, but in the end, your deck is going to be better for it. So we have a hard no on partial Paris, right. which is pretty is fine. I mean, yeah, you know uh, what what Nick said about really enabling combo decks, like. If they can start off, or if there's a, an advantage to, a clear advantage to starting off with one piece of the combo in your hand, you know, and if you can just dig for it, you know, you really are putting everybody else at a disadvantage, you know. Sure, you could argue that ramp decks are a little bit different, or, or, you know, ramp decks might get a little bit better if they have a ramp piece, but it's not, it's not the same as having, like, one of your wing cons in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what do you guys do for Mulligan? Uh, we just do the, the regular rules as far as like the... Like Vancouver? The official ones, yeah, yeah. yeah. We used to do partial when that was allowed, and now we do those. Um, I think we're a little bit lenient, like if you're just, if some guy just draws zero lands, we just let him do seven again, but, um, yeah, we're not too, uh, we don't, we don't, uh, spend too much time on mulligans, so, uh, yeah. I think the other night we, none of us mulliganed, which is weird. <laughs> so I but, think we've gotten to the point with our deck building that we do, like, one free mulligan because, you know, it's multiplayer. And most people will just take the second seven. There are very few instances where people will actually go down below it. Mm. So I think whether that's actually just from deck building or people that their hands aren't going to be absolutely spectacular every single game. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't expect... I don't know, like, I've played with guys who will go down to, like, uh, three or four just to get what they need. And I'm like, buddy, you have... You have balls of steel, because I, uh, <laughs> I, I like, might go down to five, but then whatever I get at five, like, spoiler, if you ever play with me, I will never go past it, because I'm just, I'm, yeah. telling, like, 
No. Was just like, why? I just bothered shuffling it up again to start a new game. How, how bad is your, how badly is your deck constructed that you have to go that far? Yeah. I mean, That's yes. The statistical chance that you, like, start at seven with no lands, then get six with no lands, and then five with no lands, yeah, that's a possibility. But if that, if that happens, like, I just, I must just be having that day. You know, like, I'm having that shitty day. So, yeah. like a bird. I'll work on that shuffling. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, or that, one of the two. So, um, so, moving on, I guess, from Mulligans, does anybody have any house band cards? Like, Winter Orb, for instance, used to be the ban in my meta for a bit, just because uh, we didn't want fistfights to break out over it. Um, or, or things like Stasis, or those kind of things. Like, uh, if we talk about you know speeding up games, like, the Winter Orb lock, as fun as that always is, um, that one got removed from decks. Anybody else? Um, I think for my playgroup, we, like, unofficially ban, like, Armageddon effects, but it's not really a ban. People just tend not to play them as much. Um, I, I don't mind mass land destruction as long as I know that it's gonna happen. <laughs> but I just don't want to get blindsided with my, like, tribal spider deck or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, do you think that's, that's a, that's a meta concern or is that just a, like a playgroup thing? And like, like, you know that, uh, your deck, your deck is, you're like, you're okay to play the tribal spiders because most of your guys in your deck don't bother with, with mass land destruction? Yeah. I mean, mostly it's just like a power level thing where, if everyone's on the same page, then I'm okay with it. But if like one guy's playing, you know, mass land destruction, another guy's playing a really low power deck, another guy's playing combo or whatever, then it just gets kind of degenerate. So I just want to have like a fun experience, really. Mm, yeah. Um, what about you, Clay? Any any cards that are uh, verboten from your meta? We don't have anything like explicitly banned or anything like that. The closest thing that we had was. Before Prophet of Prufix actually got banned was a mutual understanding that if you played that card, you were going to die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hate that card. That you had to be able to back it up. Mm. Um, the, I think the closest thing that we have to it is that we don't, we play at a level where we don't give a shit what you play as long as it helps you close out the game. So, like, Armageddon for the sake of Armageddon is not okay, but Armageddon to make sure no one else can stop the board state? Totally fine. Um, there was a game yesterday where I didn't come in until after this had happened, but someone played a Realm Razor when they had, like, nine mountains and a Valakut on the board, so that if someone killed the Realm Razor, he would come back and would be able to just, like, kill someone. Um, but then someone got rid of the Realm Razor in response to the trigger, and so there were no lands... And it got really, really awkward because, of course, the person with, like, the average mana cost two found what he needed fast enough and just smashed everyone. That sounds fun. <laughs> um, but it's basically like, if you're going to cause something like that to happen, you need to know how to follow it up. And you need to be able to follow it up. That's a good point. So, like, my Chandra Burn deck plays, you know, Wildfire and Burning of Shinji and Obliterate. But that's because I can close out the game with my Planeswalkers after no one has it. Yeah. How about you, Nick? Anything you guys uh, make sure you toss aside before everyone plays? Um, I don't know. I, I haven't. I don't know if this is like really a ban, but we we don't play omniscience just because it's kind of dumb. <laughs> I don't think I've go. seen anyone actually cast an omniscience in a long time. Yeah, I I feel like that card could just be banned. They don't really need to, but it's like to it's me been, like socially that, banned. Yeah, yeah. The, to me that card just defeats the whole purpose of magic. You're just like, <laughs> I don't have to think anymore. Barf out my whole library in my hand. Yeah. And it's it, it's just not that interesting. Um, 
We have one player in our group who always plays all these time twister effects. His name's Shane, so we're like, don't be a Shane and just play a million time twisters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny. Does anybody, I actually played the meta like this one time, which I thought it was great. Like, if anyone has multiple time, like, multiple time walk effects, they cap it at two. Like, you get two extra turns, and then that's it. We don't care what the, we don't care what it says. We don't care how many times, you know, you got it, recast it. You can get up to two extra turns, and then you're done. One thing I've considered, just because taking extra turns is always very um, degenerate and time-consuming, like, even if you do close out the game with it, I've always considered trying to get a house rule stated where when you have an effect resolved that says you take an extra turn, you actually cause someone else to skip their next turn. Huh. Oh, it's like um, Uno or something? <laughs> sort of, but, like, the, the original wording of Time Walk was target player loses their next turn. Hmm. Um, or like your opponent doesn't get their next turn was the original wording of time walk, which like completely changes the dynamic of what extra turns do, but is a potential house rule that could curb the degeneracy of decks that just want to take turn after turn after turn after turn. I think they should print that card. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. How many, I mean, there is a, is there a lose turn effect? No, there, you can lose your own lose, turn. Yeah. but You can skip your next turn. Um, Right, with like a Magosi the Water Veil or something. The fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's nothing that causes an opponent to skip their next turn. The closest thing we have is the Emrakul. Yeah, and like uh, Mind Slaver. Which mm-hmm. Mind Slavers them during that turn, but then they get an extra turn to make up for it. Yeah, or I guess... I guess, Well, actually, I guess Mind Slaver would be the closest, right? Like, you control yeah. a player on their turn, like a Mind Slaver yeah. Markov type effect. Soren, yeah, he does that too. Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I would like to see that. I mean, I'm I'm down with like what Nick said, like the Uno skip. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. that would be actually kind of funny. That'd be cool. Um, that better be a goddamn red effect, by the way. Just saying. Um, if, if anybody from R and D who isn't listening to this, but maybe might listen to this, um, you know, because red needs a little time love. Add some uh, coin flips in there too. Yes. Any excuse to play like Kark's Thumb, I'm totally down with. I still so. need to build the Han Kark's Thumb deck. <laughs> I mean, need to, Clay? Like, need. Okay, this this segues into another house rule, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, basically, the idea behind the Ruhan Kirk's Thumb deck is that you don't actually decide anything. It's all it's all RNG. Um, which, in my group, we have actually... Because, you know, sometimes at the start of a game, like, someone has a creature and they want to attack, but they're not, like, sure who they want to attack, so they just, like, take out a die and roll it. Um, we expressly forbid that. Because you choosing to attack someone is a political decision that you need to make for yourself, and you can't just blame the dice. Oh man, please tell me you call that the man up, like the man up rule. We, I love that we rule. expressly awesome. stop people from doing it, and if they do it anyway, we kill them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe maybe we don't actually kill them, but we don't let them live it down. Uh, That's another thing and, I mentioned on Command Zone. And whoever is like quote unquote randomly chosen to get attacked will respond, you know, how they should have or how it would have been if that person had expressly decided to attack them. That's really good. I'm going to have to listen to that episode of Command Zone, Nick. Yeah, episode. I don't know which one. It was like Politrix. Or, it, they had like a bunch of them. Like yeah. They talk about like different ways to decide who to attack or whatever. And, the, hmm. the only way that it's acceptable to decide randomly is if the card actually states, like, choose an opponent at random. Yeah, like, if it's yeah. on, and everything's, yeah. yeah, everything's short of that, no. You could also do the troll where you roll a dice and pretend that the dice decided, but you already knew what you were going to do, <laughs> and just go there. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, screw you, Shane, for taking extra turns. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, when I said the Time Twister, he, like, literally plays Time Twister, the card. So everyone <laughs> shuffles everything. And then he's got, like, Time Spiral and, like, all the versions of it. <laughs> oh, wow. He's just making friends <laughs> left and right. <laughs> Not so much the extra turns. It's everyone shuffle everything. Oh, okay, then. Yeah. Boy, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I think, was that Sway of the Stars that's explicitly banned? Just yeah. because it's a pain Sway in the ass. Sway of the ass. Stars and Worldfire. Yeah. I feel like Sway of the Stars has always been banned. Yeah, like, it always been banned in everything. Like, I feel like whoever designed it. just resets everything. Yeah. And then they did the same with Fire, and it's just like, no, stop. Yeah. Stop doing that. I, I do have, it wasn't a specific ban, but we always, we always said, like, if anyone could get to the point where you reset the game with Karn, just go fuck yourself and win. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> just, just no. Like, don't, just don't do it. Like, you know, I had a buddy of mine who was really Jones to play, like, Shahrazad, and I'm like, no, 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 we're not gonna do that, no. So, I, I don't know if that rises to the level of house bans, but there was definitely, like, Shahrazad not welcome. <laughs> In our in our meta, is that one banned now? Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, I mean, this was is that a recent one, maybe. No, I don't Shaharzad think Shaharzad has been banned as long as I've been playing Gage. So... You know what? Let's do to the internet for this one. I could have sworn Shaharzad was not banned. Yeah, I feel like they banned it maybe a couple years ago or something. I'm not sure. Go check it out. Uh, I've it? never seen it, so. <laughs> oh, I mean, this was like we're like when Shaharzad was printed was the last time we had to we had to institute that like that's how long that's how long ago it was yeah. but let's see oh commander rules come on ban list so we have the stars Shaharzad is not on the ban list gentlemen so oh goody yeah <laughs> how much is I, that worth now <laughs> yeah i uh i apologize for for everyone who got some bad ideas out there but yeah Worldfire is, Sway of the Stars definitely is, because fuck both of those cards. Um, but Shaharazad? Nah, man. Go for it. Yeah. So I guess that ends the house rule segment. <laughs> I'll, I'll mention one more quick thing is like, we, I think my playgroup is okay with, uh, unofficial legendary creatures like Nephilim. Oh, so, oh that's it. Yeah. Always, a, lot of, a lot of people allow them. Always mm. check with your playgroup. Um, I played Genju of the Realm for a while. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I like that. That's so I think I'm so going much. to dissent on you that Shaharazad is not banned. Um, because if you look on its gatherer page, it says it's banned in Commander. Well, I'm looking at that the... might just be for MTGO reasons. Oh, probably. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the 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 EDH banned, you know, the EDH community MTGCommander.net slash rules. Yeah. So it is not on there. So uh, who knows? Maybe this is a Oh, maybe we like stirred the shit up. Who knows? Maybe we're we're exposing a rift between Watsi and the band and the uh, the recommendation committee. So who knows? <gasps> That's I'm reading way too much in this, but I'm gonna go speculate on Charizard now. <laughs> order a bunch of copies. Yeah, Ooh, buddy, a million dollars each. <laughs> yeah, sad but true. I don't think like. I don't know why anyone would want to play that card. I mean, that would just be if you were just if if you were building like the troll deck. And please, no one, please, no one build the troll deck. But if, I guess if you were going to, like, ooh, this is still legal. Let's have no fun. Sixty-seven dollars for Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, get us worth it. I play balance. If you can play Charizard. I know, right? Like, why are I don't know? I mean, I guess if you were gonna if you're gonna make Shaharazad legal, you might as well make Sway of the Stars legal. I mean, it's just as annoying. It's an Eternal Masters. It's legal. <laughs> Playing Caracas now. <laughs> there you go. Let's see, um, if we go on the official Wizards site, Shaharazad is under banned cards. 
Ooh. All right, we have uh, we have. I assume that that's mostly just so that people can't play it on MTGO, even though I don't think there's been a printing on MTGO. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say they'll break that. Yeah. I mean, who knows, man? Like for a while, Ixadron was breaking Moto, so I don't know. I love this Ixadron. I know, I love the shit out, but it would crash the client like to the desktop. It was, it would like especially. This is a couple of years. This is probably last year, year before. Whenever V4 became the official standard, whatever. But now we're into talking about Moto, so we obviously have to move on. So yes. Um. So we're gonna close out the community segment with that, uh, and then next we're gonna come back with strategy. We're gonna talk about mastering the art of the Rube Goldberg. find my uh, tapped out list for uh, Kirkash here. Yeah, this is going to be like the all play segment. Unless Nick, you can you can help <laughs> out with this because I am I'm going to yeah. be listening and asking questions. I have some uninteresting, uninspired ones. <laughs> hey, that is better than my non-existent one. So we're we're and- doing good if two out of three people can actually talk about this. All right, everybody, we're back with the strategy segment for today. We're going to talk about the art of mastering the Rube Goldberg deck, or the, the crazy convoluted combo deck, however you'd like to uh, throw that one together. I call it, the this segment, the Please Somebody Teach Me How to Assemble the Station Combo in Less Than Four Hours deck. Um, but whatever whatever floats your boat, guys. So, uh, Clay, why don't you lead off this segment, and then the rest of us will, will chime in. Okay, well, if you guys... The listeners have ever heard me talk about my Kirky Agent deck before, which you probably have. Um, the entire deck is basically just a bunch of cards that could potentially be used to could potentially be used as combo pieces with each other or with Kirkash, or cards that can draw cards into cards that could potentially be combo pieces and a little bit of ramp. So the deck has a ton of artifacts that just do things. Like, some of them untapped artifacts, some of them uh, let you sacrifice artifacts, some do things when you activate them, which I would think they would. Uh, That's always a plus for artifacts, doing yeah, something. Yeah, that, that is always a plus. Isn't there one that does nothing? It's like Darksteel something? No, it does something. nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, not Null Rod. I mean, there's like a Darksteel <laughs> one that costs zero mana, it's indestructible, and that's it. Yeah, it's for a uh, Darksteel Relic? That, yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just indestructible. It, it's Great. literally in there for metalcraft fixing it, um, but it's not in my deck. But basically, you can like it. It has the traditional station combo because it's the easiest like go-to artifact kill. But even outside of that, I've made infinite mana and killed people with rocket launcher. I have used a combination of prototype portal with Kirkesh, um, Voltaic Key. Gilded Lotus. Kirkesh, Fultaki, Kark Clan Ironworks, and Great Furnace under the prototype portal to make infinite Great Furnaces. So if I'd had any huh. like landfall effects in there, I could also do that. Um, most of the combo, most of the combos will end with your opponents taking infinite damage. Or right. you proliferating a Darksteel Reactor to 20. Um, right. that is also. 
Clay, I, I think to, to to back up just for a minute, um, Bill, what is a Rube Goldberg deck? Like, what is it? And then what are you supposed to do with it? Because I feel like I would just walk away from the table slowly <laughs> if I saw this deck. Well, you play a bunch of cards that seem fairly benign on their own, but when you combine them with other cards, they create some sort of better effect. So the station combo is made up of four stations, Blasting Station, Grinding Station, Summoning Station, and Salvaging Station, um, all from Fifth Dawn, the original Mirrodin set. Um, Blasting Station costs three mana, tap, sacrifice a creature. Blasting Station deals one damage to target creature or player. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you may untap Blasting Station. So it gets a little bit of value if you have some sacrifice. Um, Grinding Station costs two mana. And tap, sack an artifact, target player mills three. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield, you may untap grinding station. So that's cute. Salvaging station costs six. Tap, return target non-creature artifact card with bird mana cost one or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So bring back a Sol Ring, bring back a Wayfarer's Bomble, bring back a Pyrite Spell Bomb. Bring back bring a Dark back... Steel Relic. You know, yeah, bring yeah. back a Dark Steel Relic. Value. Um, <laughs> I don't know how it would die. <laughs> whenever a creature dies, you may untap salvation. And then finally, there's Summoning Station. Cost 7. Tap, put a 2-2 colorless pincher creature token on the battlefield. Note, this is not an artifact, because that would make things way too easy. Important um, to note, I cocked that up the first time I tried to do this. <laughs> yeah. Whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may untap Summoning Station. So what you do is, let's say you tap your Summoning Station to make a 2-2. Um, that will untap your uh, Blasting Station if it was tapped. You tap your Blasting Station, sacrifice your 2-2 to uh, ping a player, which will then untap your salvaging station because a creature died, which you can then use to bring back your soul ring, which will untap your grinding station, which you can then sacrifice it to mill some three, which will then untap your summoning station because an artifact died. So as long as you have a non-creature artifact that you can bring back with salvaging station, all four of them work together to create an infinite combo. That is the essence of the Rube Goldberg. So that now, would be infinite damage and infinite mill? Infinite damage, infinite mill, um, and I guess if you have something, if you're a, like, one-cost artifact has, like, an ETB or something like that. Um, alternately, if you don't want to mill them and your one-cost artifact can sacrifice itself for free, you can just replace um, the um, grinding station with that. Would that also work if it's, like, say, if you, if you threw in Hangerback Walker for that, but you, you took it back from the graveyard and it was zero? Non-creature. Oh, non-creature. Non yeah. Okay. I think that would, I think that wouldn't work anyway, because I think it would be, like, state-based or something. It would be state-based, but it would replace the need for grinding station to combo. However, oh, you would yeah. not be able to shoot people with it because it's... Yeah, you, you couldn't sacrifice it mm. for blasting station. Um, so that is essentially what group combos are. You have... Like, you know, infinite combos usually have, like, three or four pieces. Um, at this point, Rube Goldberg, I think we'd say five or more, would probably be a good way to classify it. Oh, I like, like that. Three. <laughs> Mine is only three. Or I think, I think, like, four or more pieces we could classify as Rube. Hey, Nick, uh, if it makes you feel better, like, three is already, like, probably two more complicated than, than I would get in my deck, so. <laughs> Rube Goldberg is me. insurrection. Um... <laughs> So, like, in this deck, we play Prototype Portal, and we can put um, Great Furnace under it. Great Furnace is the red artifact land. Um, and with Kirkesh on the board and another red source, we can tap our Prototype Portal to activate it, to put a copy of Great Furnace on the battlefield, um, and use Kirkesh's ability to get a second one. So we have two Great Furnaces. We then tap both Great Furnaces for a red and a red, 
We sacrificed one of them to Crook Clan Ironworks to uh, get two colorless. So we have red, red, generic, generic. Spend a generic to activate Voltaiki, targeting prototype portal. Spend one of the reds to copy it with Kirkash, targeting Voltaiki. So in the end, we end up netting a red mana and a generic mana and a tapped greatness. And then we can use that red to just keep on copying the prototype portal with Kirkash. So then we make infinite great furnaces, which can translate into infinite mana Kirkland irons. That is the sort of Rube Goldberg shit that we're talking here. That's five cards plus an extra red source. So six cards technically. We do <laughs> nice. dumb shit. There we go. I like that. Technically, well, technically we don't need the extra red source if we wait a turn and make a great furnace by ourselves. So then that's five cards. Um, so Nick, what about yours? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll start with the really simple one. So this one is, anybody can do this combo. It's the Empire Artifact combo. You take Crown of Empires, (laughs) Scepter of Empires, and Throne of Empires, and you get them on the battlefield, and then you just activate them. (laughs) There we go. I have always wanted to put those three into my Kirkash deck, but I could never find one of them. So I never They're pretty cheap. They're like 50 cents each, maybe a dollar. I think I have play sets of them. (laughs) Yeah, you can buy like foils for a dollar. Yeah. I mean, probably because your card store is busy stocking good cards. That's probably the reason why. Um, I'm going to go on a limb on that one. Uh, But yeah, you know, I don't know. The next time you buy something from like, you know, Star City Games or TCG Player, like, take the 25 cents and throw it in there. (laughs) You know, whatever it's going to cost you. So... Um, yeah, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do station combo. Like the the closest I've ever come is like Urzatron, and that's not like Goldbergy. <laughs> that's just really kind of dumb. That's just but, yeah, yeah, exactly. That doesn't even count. That's not a combo. Um, but I, I like the idea of of these kind of decks. How about um, if we're talking about the, the strategy here, like what are some common ways? I mean, do you guys see, like, a lot of disruption for these kind of decks? Like, is it, like, oh, man, you know, Clay's yeah. going crazy with Kirkesh, or, like, oh, shit, Stony Nick's going to make... <laughs> oh, yeah, Stony Silence does hurt. It means I need to find my All is Dust. Yeah. Um, however, the point of the deck is that if one or two of the combos get disrupted or destroyed or exiled or whatever, I can just go find them. Yeah. Like, there are some key pieces shared between different combos that would be, like, key things to get rid of. But ultimately, I just don't care. <laughs> I just keep going. Yeah. I I just play with my toys and hope that I can eventually maybe. So this is this is like it's sounding more and more like the epitome of a solitaire deck almost. Like you it's are literally not. doing that. Yeah. Like I might deploy one or two permanents a turn, but ultimately, like yes, eventually I will combo off if left unchecked. But I don't like chain extra turns together and stuff like that. I'm just like. Do the effects that I have on board combo off? No? Play another thing, draw another card, you know. Maybe make everyone draw a ton of cards with Otherworld Atlas, because that's really funny with Kirkash. You spend the first few turns copying the, like, place a counter ability, and then you tap it with, like, summers on it and copy that, so everyone, like, draws six and draws six. Do you have, uh, do you have Lux Cannon in your deck? I do have Lux Cannon in the deck. Do you have, uh, what is it? Stranic Resonator and Rings of Bright Hearth? I do not play either of those because oh, they would be too good <laughs> if I played those. That's so fun to do those. Cause you can copy, like, the activated ability and then copy Kirkesh ability with the Resonator and yeah. do it, like, three plus times. And then copy the copy. 
or copy the ability to copy it using Kirkash. And it, <laughs> yeah. it just gets weird, man. I love it how you have to weird. take out cards that are too good for a Rube Goldberg deck. I feel like that also has to be like a qualification to play the Rube Goldberg deck, right? I, because I feel like, like it, the deck would be too consistent and too pressive. Yeah, like that would be the difference between a hardcore combo deck and a Rube Goldberg deck, right? Like if you never see like Rube Goldberg contraptions that have like knives that come straight for your face, right? Like that's yeah. not what Rube yeah, Goldberg does. Yeah, it's like does. the Pee Wee Herman where he walks to, bre- to breakfast to get like one egg. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, that's movie. yep. That would be that would be exactly it. Um, man, it's weird that you say that. I've been wanting to watch Big Top Pee Wee or Pee Wee's Big Adventure rather for a while now. I don't know why. Like, have I'm, you have you seen it yet? Uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Like, not the new one, I mean like the old one. Oh yeah, yeah, so. the old one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I used to live about an hour, remember that big dinosaur? Uh, oh yeah, that, yeah. That's in there? Like I used to live an hour away from that place. Like it's an actual place you can go hang out in the dinosaur. It's a gift shop. Um, so like, <laughs> yeah, cause of course, cause of course it is, cause it's a kitschy fucking dinosaur statue in the desert, so fucking of course it is. Um, yeah, it's like on the way to LA from Palm Springs. Uh, but like, all that stuff, I don't know why I was in the mood for that recently. I don't know, that probably is not saying anything good about my mental health if I'm in the mood to go watch like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but. <laughs> Yeah. That movie was pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, like, that movie might fall under the, I probably shouldn't have watched that as a kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember when I, like, as, a, as another uh, weird tangent, like, I remember I had an old, like, a much older sister, my sister's nine years older than me, and uh, I remember she showed me Aliens, like, no, the first Alien movie when I was like five. I'm like, that shouldn't oh. have happened. Like, that definitely <laughs> shouldn't have happened. I should not be watching that movie when I was five. Well, they didn't so. have, uh, they didn't have, like, the rating system until, after, like, sometime in the 80s, right? Yeah, so this was, like, before all that shit. I mean, they, they yeah, had, so they didn't have like, PC 13, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's just, but I mean, even the first alien was a hardcore R, right? I feel like yeah. the only reason she did that is because she was babysitting me and she was annoyed at me. So, I can blame that on my sister. So, <laughs> like, a lot of other things, probably not. But that one, I think, probably firmly blame in her camp. Um, but anyway, now we are way the hell off of the Rube Goldberg <laughs> deck. So anyway, actually, I have a couple other examples. Um, awesome. I, I, I have one, a really good example as well, but you first. Found one accidentally. There's like one classic one I have, and then one new one that I have. That's uh, with the new one is on my mono white deck. I had Emiria Emiria Shepherd, the the big angel with landfall. Ooh, yeah. And then I had uh, Gideon, ally of uh, Zendikar, the new Gideon. Mm-hmm. And I had a burnished heart and. So what I did was I used the Burnish Heart to fetch two planes. Or no, well, first I would ultimate Gideon, so he dies. Then I used Burnished Heart to fetch two planes. And then the planes would come in, trigger the angel twice, get the Burnished Heart and Gideon again. And I would just re- keep repeating that as many planes as I had, <laughs> or as many mana as I had. <laughs> so I ended up with like five Gideon emblems and a ton of land in play. And then I think I had like a White Sun Zenith in my hand too, and it was it was really funny. <laughs> it works better with like Amulet of Vigor, because then your land would come in untapped, but... Um, that was that was really funny that I found on accident. What do you um, got, Clay? Well, one from last night. So this really shitty uh, Spirit of EDH deck. Um, it's like green, white, Tristani tokens. It has like a thirty dollar budget. So last night I had Tristani on the board. I was trying out this card, a uh, Quest for Renewal. Um, plus hmm. one and a green. Whenever a creature you control becomes tapped, you can put a quest counter on. At the beginning, or as long as it has four or more quest counters on it, untap all creatures you control during each other players and tap step. Um, I was trying this out. So, like, at first it's just like, okay, cool, if I have a bunch of extra mana left over, I can just, like, populate on everyone else's turn. Sweet. Um, But what I ended up getting was, I'm playing this really crappy enchantment called Life and Limb, which is (laughs) one of my favorites of all time. 
three and a green. Um, enchantment, all forests and all sapperlings are 1-1 one, one green sapperling creatures and forest lands in addition to their other types. So my forests are now creatures. So quest for renewal now untaps them. And when I had this engine going, I had like two of them out. So it would just be like on my turn, like tap my two and tap a white source and populate. Then on the next person's turn, those two forests would untap. So it was basically just like one mana populating every turn. Um, this gets even better with the fact that I had aura shards on the board. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> the, the most expensive and most oppressive card in the deck at $5 is aura shards. Um, and then I also have, so like I was making like three, three centaurs every turn. And then I also, this, this doesn't really go into Rube Goldberg territory, but it was a really funny play that I am still amazed that I pulled off. Um, I had a salt formation, um, which costs one and a green. Each creature you control assigns combat damage according to it, or equal to its toughness instead of its power. So it's basically Doran for your own dudes. Um, it can pay a green, or you can pay a green to, uh, make one of your defenders able to attack that turn. Or you can pay two and a green, and creatures you control get plus O plus one until end of turn, so it basically beefs up their butt, um, and you get That's a bunch of people with it. <laughs> so one of the other players was playing Avacyn, um, Archangel Avacyn, and had Heliod, God of the Sun, and was like making 2-1 enchantment clerics. And so on my turn, I'm like, I'm going to play this forest, because it's a 1-1, I'm going to gain a life, and Aura Shards, I'm going to target one of his. Um, and so he was like, in response, going to flash in Avacyn, um, indestructible trigger on the stack. I populated one of my tokens to shoot the same cleric so that Avacyn saw it die. So then when it went to his turn, she flipped, and then in response to three damage to all cre- each other creature and each player, I pumped all of my guys plus O plus three so that they would survive. Hmm. And then he wiped all of his clerics out. <laughs> nice. Well played, was, sir. But that was all possible because of a really dumb situation of cards that I had. And that is what Rube Gold. Rube Goldberging is about. I'm glad that we've turned that into a verb now, too. <laughs> nice <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up, does anybody have any other advice for mastering the art of the Rube Goldberg deck? Put a bunch um, of random cards in your deck and see if they do stuff. To yeah. You. <laughs> the more <laughs> text they have. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say play, what is it, Gabe or Gave? Oh, he does yeah. it on his own. <laughs> Gabe, Gave. Yeah. He, he combos with everything. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Um, I think one one classic combo that I used to play was I'll just mention it really quick. It had to do with Sappy Eric's daughter, Revelark, Karmic Guide, and like Mirror Entity, and like one other creature that had a, yeah. a an effect, like Yosei the Morning Star. And essentially, Ooh. you'd sack Sappy and use Karmic Guide and Revelark to recur the creature. So like I would have like Yos or Yosei the Morning Star and just make everyone tap down and like infinitely tap them down and or or even like acidic slime comes in and just blows everything yeah, and then up. Using mirror entity to make all of your stuff die over. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, man. <laughs> was, uh, so you can just pretty, activate it for zero. And it, yeah, that's an instance you can do that combo at any point. You don't have to wait on your turn. You can just do it. So all in white green. I'm sure there's better ways to do it and like with other colors too. I know they have like modern decks like that, Malira combo type things. Oh god, Malira is just asking for stupid uh persist combos left and right. Yeah. Um I'm I'm sure ladies and gents, like if you guys yeah, out there in the audience have that territory. It's not I guess it depends on what you're taking. I don't I mean like do you need to go like, like Chise for the Rube Goldberg? I feel like Chise could be a Rube Goldberg deck, you know? I feel like it I has to be. <laughs> yeah. 
I take that as a challenge. All right, I mean, you don't have to, Clay. Like, I don't want to do that to another human being. Like, you don't have to, man. That's that's rough, dude. I don't want to do that to you. <laughs> um, but hey, folks at home, if you guys have your own uh, Rube Goldberg decks, if you have some advice for playing them, or if you just want to play really dumb cards, I mean, hey, Ice Cauldron is a thing. It has lots of text on it. Um, <laughs> I get bored halfway through it, so you never know. Um, throw it in the comments for us. Uh, enlighten us as to your Rube Goldberging. Goldberging? Yeah, Goldberging. So, whew, that was that was. Whew, do not say that one three times fast, folks. So, uh, but regardless, uh, we're gonna uh, come back after the break with uh, technology. We're gonna talk about our best slash favorite Achilles heels cards. Stay tuned. Anyway, uh, you guys all set? We'll launch into technology. We should hopefully be out of here on time, too. Yep, ready. Sweet. Alrighty, folks, we're back with our technology segment this week, and this week we're talking about our best-slash-favorite Achilles Heels cards. Um, to explain this a little bit, I guess I should probably get less cute with my titles for these segments. Um, think, like, best red card draw or best blue removal spells. So these are the best cards in a color's weakest area. Uh, I always think about this a lot because I tend to play a lot of monocolor decks, uh, maybe because I hate myself, I don't know. Um, but I also liked finding um, kind of off-brand effects in certain different colors. Like, the nice thing about the, the color pie for me is all the ways it's just been butchered over the years. Um, and the, the more they say, like, oh, we're going to make sure we correct the color pie, like, you can't unprint some of the, the crazy shit that's happened in Magic's past. Um, or... For instance, like for for some of my picks, like you can't apparently you, apparently you can keep printing stuff in colors that don't need it, like blue. Like, did you need to print blue exile effects, Watsy? You're right. Was there one thing that blue couldn't do that you just wanted to shore up? Thank you, I guess. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about this week. So um, to move down the list, let's start with guests first. Uh, Nick, what was your your best slash favorite Achilles or your first best slash favorite Achilles heel card? Uh, I think my favorite one is Song of the Dryads. It's, a, it's a, from the Commander Precon. I'm not sure what year, a couple of years ago. I think it was a 2014, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, the monocolor and, ones. Um, yeah. It's a 3-mana it's a green enchantment for 2 and 1 green, and it enchants a permanent and just turns it into a forest. So you I can put it, it onto any, any permanent, including creatures, which green has a hard time killing outside of like fight effects, which aren't very good in Commander. So... Um, yeah, Song of the Dryads is like it's just it it it's ubiquitous removal in green, which is usually limited to like you have to be like specifically white black to hit any permanent a lot of the time or just colorless. Yeah, you know I'm so glad you put this up. It's too bad that Will's not on here too because he has oh man he hates this card with a passion. Yeah, um, I bought but, like ten. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're so good. I bought so many of these things when they came out too. Um, Nick, as long as this is kind of on topic, a strange on topic rant, but what do you think of the new spoiler for Imprisoned in the Moon, which is kind of like oh, that's a the blue, blue one? Yeah, it's kind of like that, but it only enchants a creature, a land, or a planeswalker, and it just turns them to a colorless land. Um, I I like that one. I mean, <laughs> it's probably uh it's probably sim on the similar vein of Song of the Dryads, where it might be a little too 
um, too uh, wide reaching or whatever to fits all these categories in one card. Yeah, true. I mean, it doesn't hit artifacts, right? Right. Yeah. So it doesn't hit artifacts. uh, Yeah. But I mean, still. I don't know, like, in, I guess, I guess they, they added that because it's blue, or maybe they added that because people were complaining about Song of the Dryads. I don't know why, like, I'm, I'm just like you. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that, I guess you can't, maybe, but you're already imprisoning a spaghetti monster in the moon. Like, why can't you just imprison an artifact in the moon? I get, I don't know, whatever. Launch, who knows, whatever. Like a land is alive? Come on. Whatever. So, well, the the town, the Hanware Township is, or whatever. Oh shit! You're right. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, like Westvale Abbey. Yeah, Cthulhu Town. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love. Oh god, I'm I'm so hyped for the meld cards. I might be the only other person. Everyone else in my shop is like, these fucking things are stupid. And I'm <laughs> like, that's why I love them because they're so stupid. <laughs> like, let me turn them sideways and combine them like goddamn Voltron. It's awesome. <laughs> But uh anyway, yeah, great great pick for the first one, man. I I love Song of the Dryads, Nick. Um Clay, what's your uh what's your first pick? Alright. Um well blue doesn't really have that many ways of dealing with uh lands or mana denial in general. Like, yeah, you have a couple ways of taxing things. You have like mana leak and mana short and mana vortex and stuff like that. Mana vortex actually does go go into this one. Um but, you know, red gets blood moon and a bunch of things that can destroy lands. White has mass wipe effects. Uh, even green now has a way of destroying non-basics with wave of vitriol. Um, but blue doesn't really get that. Um, one of the most powerful cards in blue, honestly, is this awkward little card called Back to Basics. It's an enchantment from Urza's Saga. Costs two and a blue enchantment. Non-basic lands don't untap during their controller's untap steps. So depending on how heavy into non-basics your opponents are, it is basically a winter orb, and if you're playing mono blue with, like, two or three non-basics in your deck, you don't care. I love this card. <laughs> like, this card honestly should not exist, but it's so strong. Um, the other one that I found in this little search is Mana Breach. Um, it's another enchantment for the same cost, so two and a blue. Whenever a player casts a spell, that player returns a land he or she controls to its hand, to its owner's hand. So it's not quite as oppressive as, like, Storm Cauldron, but it does tax people. And then Mana Vortex, which I mentioned earlier, like, one blue-blue. When you cast Mana Vortex, sacrifice it, uh, or counter it unless you sacrifice a land. So that's really strange. Um, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a land. When there are no lands on the battlefield, sacrifice Mana Vortex. So it basically just kind of slows things down a little bit. It's very yeah. interesting. Like, unless people are ramping with creatures or ramping growth effects, it will basically attempt to stagnate the number of land. Hmm. I like that. Um, yeah, I, I dig back to basics. I mean, it's funny, like, I went through a weird, I went through a, a weird, like, my first mono blue deck went through a weird kind of, like, power down ratio. Like, at first I put upheaval in there, and then they're like, Mark, that's banned, you can't do that. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, then I put Sunder in there, and then people just threw shit at me until I stopped casting Sunder, because that's not fun. Uh, and then I put back to basics, and like, that was okay. Like I just got like the I just got the angry stink eye for putting back to basics in there. Um, but I ended up taking it out anyway, just because it was one of those like it wasn't quite a house rule about stasis effects. But they also threw the hypocrite card at me because they're like, Mark, aren't you the guy who hates Winter Orb? And I'm like, Oh shit! Oh fine, <laughs> damn it! Did you play Rising Waters too? <laughs> I I this didn't, but all that looks. Me. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, Rising Waters almost went in that deck too, Nick. So that was, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, Just I need pick to pick any away. like old blue enchantment, and it'll do weird things. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Just be just yeah. That's a that's a that's a good advice actually. Yeah, because the color ply was all kinds of all over the damn place back in the day. So, yeah. um, so anyway, moving on to uh, messed up color pies. This is a more modern messed up color pie example, I guess, and still really contentious. I find at least around my area, I have people who straight up will not pick or not play your pick, your next pick, Nick, just just because of this. So, um, I think they're crazy though because it's awesome. It goes in every red deck I own. So, what's yours, Nick? Um. Wait, were you talking about Chaos Warp or? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Wait, Mark, did you even go over your Blue Exile effects one? Did I not? Did I skip myself? I feel like you did. Oh shit, I skipped myself. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, host 101, boom, skip myself. Um, so anyway. So uh-huh. <laughs> um, blue Exile effects, duh. Um, speaking of mono blue cards, uh, so the, the thing that mono blue definitely did not Need and we can't even blame this on on old school uh, mana. Like I don't know why this came out. The first one is um, uh, for blue exile effects is Curse of the Swine, um, as no- Noel likes to put it, uh, Curse of the Piggies. Um, I lo- I love this card. Like if if this goes in all of my mono blue decks, definitely. Uh, but Curse of the Swine is a blue. Uh, it is an X blue blue spell. Uh, it's out of the Theros block. And you exile X target creatures, and for each creature exiled this way, its controller puts a 2-2 green boar creature token on the battlefield. Um, yeah, this thing's amazing. Not only is it, it's, it's like, it's mass exile for blue. Um, like, I couldn't believe this was printed at first. Like, I thought it was a lie in the spoilers, um, uh, when I saw it, because it's just, it's really great for that. Um, the second one that I always put in, or the second one that, that comes in, which is, is good for spot removal anyway, is a reality shift. A reality shift, I forgot what con block that came out of. Uh, Fate Reforged. One of those? Yeah, the, the shifty one, I so guess. That's when they started with Manifest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fate Reforged. Okay, I guess that's what all the, the weird two moons thing is going on. Uh, but reality shift is one of the blue. It's an instant. And you exile target creature, its controller manifests the top card of his or her library. Um, and I love doing this, especially when my manifest hits a non-creature, because it's, like you can just never turn it up, ever. It's great. Can't quite get rid of it. Like it, it'll eventually hit the graveyard. Cause normally people will just end up like, if I if someone like if I hit a combo piece with this, this is my favorite part. Um, and then people end up just killing their creature just to make sure it hits their graveyard to try and somehow like reanimate it back. Um, so reality shift is, you know, those two go hand in hand for me when I'm looking for exile effects in blue, and they're really, really good. So now moving on, I guess Calvin, I maybe you can fix that in post, man. When I just jumped over myself and I, I, I was nah, leave it in. It's funnier that way. <laughs> teeing up that segue that went nowhere. So uh, Nick, what's your next uh, uh, Achilles heel card? Um, I guess I'll pick. Uh, we're not gonna do colorless ones, are they? Because that's kind of cheating. I mean, yeah, I guess that is. Like, you can kind of do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'll say, uh, for red, Outpost Siege. And that was in, uh, another one of the Dragon's Blocks. I'm not sure which one. I should probably look uh, it up here. Forged. Yeah, Fate Reforged. Apparently everything. And, um, Forge here. It's a, uh, four mana red enchantment. And you, it comes into play. You choose cons or dragons. You choose cons at the beginning of your upkeep. Exile a top card of your library. Until in a turn, you may, you may play that card. And then if you choose dragons, it says whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, siege deals one damage to target creature or player. And um, the reason outpost siege is good for red is it allows red to draw cards with its the red card draw where it kind of 
exiles your top card and you have to, you only get one turn to play it. Mm. Yeah. But it, it really just, you know, helps you cycle through your deck a bit. And then it also has the other ability if you need the, the creature thing. On that same note, uh, Chandra Pyromaster is a planeswalker whose zero ability exiles the top card to play it until. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like that other lot, like something lava that does that too. Immune with lava. Yep. It's, uh, like Red Red X. Yeah. I think I have a foil of that <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> It's a uh, X red red instant exile the top X cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You play those cards, so you can basically yeah. just like quote unquote like draw ten cards if you have twelve mana. Um, but you only get one turn to play them, essentially. Yeah, but if you're playing a combo deck or a burn deck, that might be all you need. Like I've considered putting this into Chandra. I don't know why I haven't actually. It's pretty good. Yeah. So. Yeah. The only thing is, commune is like you gotta cast it with with Chandra and Outpost Siege. You just kind of let them sit there. Yeah. Um. It's it's good for a one time thing. Definitely I... better than a uh, Act on Impulse, mm. which exiles the top three for two. Oh minutes. yeah, that one's not very good. Yeah. I kind of like I like the Siege cycle that they did. I think most of them are pretty useful. Yeah. Um. I think I think the green, yeah. I think the green one is the one I use the least. Um. But I I do like all of them. But anyway, okay, now we're back to the top of the batting order again. Uh, Clay, give us your next card. Um, the next one, so while we may say that Red has a problem with cards and drawing cards and stuff, they actually have a lot of like card selection through looting effects um, and rummaging effects, and they have now the like exile the top card and play it. White has the hardest time actually drawing cards now. Yeah. No, which yeah. Is, which makes sense, but... uh. Especially if you're on weenie strategies, um, these two cards can definitely help you smooth that out. Mentor of the Meek, um, from original Innistrad, is a very sweet card. Um, it's a 2-2 human soldier for two and a white. He was reprinted in, uh, the Nahiri Commander Precon. Whenever another creature with power two or less enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one if you do draw a card. So, basically adds a kicker of one to all of your small creatures and your tokens that allows you to draw a card when they enter. Um, if you're playing Nahiri herself, you plus one, you make a one-one. You give it a thing, you pay a mana, and you draw a card. Um, any sort of token generation, it works really well. Um, then the other one, which is slightly less versatile, but also slightly more versatile, um, Bygone Bishop from Shadows Over Innistrad, um, is also three costs, so two in white. Spirit Cleric um, is a two-three flyer. And whenever you cast a creature spell with converted mana cost three or less, investigate. So it's basically adding a kicker of two to draw a card to all of your creature spells if they're small enough. But you can pay that kicker whenever the fuck you want. Now, have, so, you, have you actually played this one? Because I actually just ordered a copy of Binding. I want to give it a shot. I personally have not played with it, but I've seen other people play with it, and it's amazing. Mm. Yeah, Investigate is pretty good. Investigate is one of the most mechanics that they have come up with, especially on an effect like this, where it just gives extra value. Because it's basically like giving all of your spells um, kicker to if it was kick draw a card, mm-hmm. but you can pay that kicker cost whenever you want. Yeah, it's it's really good with like white main lion. Oh, just keep getting yeah. tokens. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. That sort of thing. <laughs> um, so bygone bishop is absolutely fantastic. It's a little bit less versatile than mentor me, but it allows you to like save up your mana to just have like. Oh, I only spent like all but four of the mana that I have. At the end of your turn, I'm gonna draw two cards. Uh, cool. It you allows you to draw with... the cards. Oh, I was, sorry, I was gonna say you could combo it with Tamio's journal and just oh, yeah. sack through. Oh, yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I I just picked up a couple of Tameo's journal too. Like I I missed the uh, I guess I missed the pre-release for the the last set. But Investigate looks like really interesting. I like that idea, and I like how you framed it, Clay, as like the kicker you can pay anytime you want. Um, because I I think that that's a really good way to put it. You know, I've been kind of searching for a, a way to phrase or to like to think about that, but I really like that idea. Um, and who doesn't like drawing cards? Like, come on, man. Two mana draw a card? I would pay that anytime. You're gonna, odds are, especially in EDH, you're gonna have two colorless mana sitting around at, at some, point. some point. Yeah, like, might as well draw a card off it. Unless you're just that efficient, you don't have any mana. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick is next leveling us here, so his, his Rue Goldberg deck is tuned so finely that he's always popping out soldier tokens with the Empire combo. Um, Gotta do it. Yeah, the rest of us, we're just, we're just drawing some easy cards, so. <laughs> Um, so I'll go next. My my next one is a personal favorite of mine. Um, God, I love this card because it's such a it's such a hoser, and people get really mad at me when I play it because uh, I will play it as as often as I can. It's called Hall of Gemstone. Hall of Gemstone Ooh, yeah. is uh, is my pick for a green control card, or in this case, I could be a green uh, color hoser. Um, so Hall of Gemstone is an enchant world card because that's how goddamn old it is out of Mirage. It's a one colorless and two green. During each player's upkeep, that player chooses a color. Until end of turn, each mana producing land produces mana of the chosen color instead of of its normal color. Um, so man, if you just want to shut down some counter spells, uh, and you're in, you know, green, obviously, because, you know, please don't play this in, like, anything but, but a monocolor deck. That's probably not going to work out super well for you. But if you're the mono green player at the table, ooh, buddy, yeah, this thing is going to be the best. So, um, you know, there, there's some special errata restrictions, you know, you can, you can play around with it. Um, so you might want to read that if you're, you know, oh, crazy into the nitty gritty here, but, Long story short, like, you will ruin somebody's day if they were about to go off next turn or if they want, you want to stop them from doing something on your turn, which is more likely if you're in mono green. So, let's see. Nick, what do you got for your next, uh, your next pick? Um, I guess I'll do a black card. I'll pick, uh, did I list one here? Oh no, I'll just, I'll just say, uh, Gate to Phyrexia. Ooh, That's good. from, uh, Antiquities. Yeah. It's like a black enchantment for two black mana, so it helps your devotion, cause, if you're playing black, you should just play Grey Merchant because he's really good. <laughs> and um, with Gate to Phyrexia, you can sacrifice a creature on your upkeep to destroy target artifact. And you can only do it once per turn, but black has no targeted removal at artifacts. It's not counting like stacks effects like smallpox or, or was it depth? Actually, those don't hit artifacts. I think there's a couple, uh, something in the underworld. Anyway, it's the only targeted artifact destruction in black. And... Um, I think it, Gate to Phyrexia is it's worth a little bit of money. It's like eight bucks, but yeah, you it's really not need that artifact destruction. Yeah, but it's good. It's really good. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And like you it's said, you're never course. gonna find it in, in, in anything else in black. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you're in a mono black deck and you want that devotion, you want a way to target artifacts, it's a good way to do it. Yeah. Nice pick, Nick. Nice pick. Um so Unless anybody has, you know, we've gone around a couple times, and we'll list the rest of them in the show notes for everybody else who wants to see it. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna wrap that segment now. Um, and then again, if anybody has uh, some other good Achilles heels cards, this happens to be one of my just favorite go tos with uh, with Gatherer. Like just finding the weird cards, and no matter how many years I've been doing this, I always find new cards that kind of pop up out of nowhere. Like I think 
uh, a couple shows ago, Clay had just popped up like Funeral Charm, you know, as, as a weird one-off like thing you could throw under Isochron Scepter. I've never fucking seen that card in my life, so that's one of my other favorite things about EDH uh, that you can just find weird, weird cards out of nowhere. So I'm sure you guys have some really good ones. Uh, if you have a good Achilles Seal card, put them in the comments, send them to us, etc. Uh, but we are gonna head out to the outro now. All right, uh, so let's just give contact information, then we're out of here, gentlemen. Not bad, we're a little over, but not terrible. So. All right, folks, uh, thus closes out another episode of Commander Cast. Thank you guys for sticking with us and for being here to listen to us today as we uh, talk about our, our random Rube Goldberging on uh, the cast today and all the other crazy stuff that went along with it. Um, let's start off with the guest. Nick, I want to get a hold of you. How can they best reach you out on the internet? Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter. My handle is BlindFreeman, B-L-I-N-D-F-R-E-M-E-N. And um, that's probably the main one. I'm also on the Anime Summit podcast, so you can find them on iTunes and AnimeSummit.net. And uh, we talk about anime there. It's super fun. So, yeah, that's that's basically it. Awesome. I'll, have to, I'll drop a link to, to that in the show notes. It's too damn of all the days that William's not here, right? Hey, William and yeah. Calvin aren't here. <laughs> well, I, uh, that's how that's how uh, I got on here because I invited Will to join our cast as a guest. So, oh, cool. Yeah, it was it was a good good episode. Yeah, I I always say I'm gonna get back into it. I don't know, like Will and Calvin have been talking to me about uh, some shows I need to watch. Uh, I just haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, so. there's a there's a lot of it out there. <laughs> I know, right? And I think that's what I need. I really so I need to go listen to Anime Summit because I need to like I think separate the wheat from the chaff. So because I'm yeah, like everybody else, you no, know, we're, <laughs> we're a little uh, vulgar sometimes. So. <laughs> Hey, that's all right. You know, you know, we're all adults here. We're good. So, uh, Clay, if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to uh, hit you up with their their hot, um, I don't know, their hot Goldberg tech. So, uh, how are they going to do that? Uh, you can find me on Reddit and Gmail and uh, Twitter at EDHPN. Uh, if you want to reach me there, if you want to. Uh, Look at my Kirkash deck list. It's down in the show notes. There's just a bunch of random crap that all seems to uh, go together. <laughs> really ties the rug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The rug really goes with the station combo. That's all we're saying. Um, and if anybody wants to hit me up, uh, it's just my last name is Mahler, M-A, at gmail.com. And if anyone wants to just address something to the show in general, and we'll all kind of get it, uh, it's our email is just commandercast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on the Twitters, at commandercast. Uh, also, be sure to check out our CommanderCast Facebook page. Uh, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read those off. Or you can just read, leave us a review in general, and we appreciate it. Uh, it just helps drive up traffic to the site. Uh, and then if you like what we do here, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Um, of all the things that are free on the Internet, um, server space is not one of them. So we don't need a whole lot of uh, money to keep this uh, game afloat, but it does help. Every little bit helps, and we appreciate it. So thank you so much if you do. And thank you so much even if you don't, just for listening. And big thanks goes out to everyone here at the Commander Cast Network, and we'll see you guys next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it!
Alrighty, Nick is online, so I think he just needs a minute or two, and I'll add him to the call, and we should be all set. Alrighty, <coughs> I can give you a bunch of red draw spells. Sweet. I kind of figured, like, I don't know why that was that idea was sticking in my head, but red actually does get much more advantage than say like white or yeah, especially white. Or like they whew. get more card selection, not exactly, not necessarily card advantage. But I guess, I don't, well, I mean, I guess, you know, you're, you're the person to ask, Clay. What do you think about the new Chandra, though? Does she count as actual, I think she counts as actual card advantage, no? Um, it depends on if you are gaining cards off. Um, <laughs> that because is, card, yeah. <laughs> card advantage is specifically having more cards than you start with, um, in relation to your opponent. So, like, Flame Caller, let me see if I can find it real. Um, Discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards plus one. That is definitely card advantage. Um, unless you are using it the turn that you play Chandra, because then you're breaking even, because you are spending, you are playing Chandra, which counts as a card. Um, so if you have four cards in your hand, you play Chandra, you activate her for zero, then you draw four cards. So you have traded four cards into four cards. Um, Planeswalkers are almost always inherently card advantage because they provide more stuff. Like, Chandra's plus one, especially if those three ones trade with any of your opponent's creatures, mm, yeah. are straight value. Most of um, Red's card advantage is actually card selection in the form of, like, Faithless Looting or Duretti. Um, and then, of course, the new ones that, like, exile a card off the top and you play it until end of turn which is just temporary advantage, but it does let you look at ones. Whereas white just actually does not get anything that draws that many cards. Oh god, Song of the Dryads. <laughs> I do love me I do love me some enchantment removal. Because so. Nick is typing stuff in there. So. Oh, he is? Oh, it's funny because yeah. I'm typing... Man, that dude, he must be some, like a pretty ambidextrous dude because I'm typing him on Skype now, too. <laughs> Tell you the new, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, like the new song of the dryads, the imprisoned in the moon. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty down with that, but I don't know. I like enchantment removal. I. It's not great. I think it it has more flavor than song of the dryads does. Yeah. Um, but a li- but a bit less versatility. I'm also waiting for someone to um turn a caged sun into a caged moon. By enchanting a Cage Sun with Song of the Dryads, and then enchanting the Cage Sun with Imprisoned in the Moon. So we can stick the sun in the moon. Because <laughs> we yeah. have to turn it into a land or a creature, so March of the Machines would also work. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. We have to turn it into something we can uh, enchant. Hey, Nick? Hello? Oh, no. I think my settings are messed up. Oh, we can- oh hey, we can hear you. So that's, that's the first part. You've done that much right. Hey, thanks for coming on tonight, man. I think the biggest, if you're looking for oh, Skype yeah. settings you need to fix, the biggest one is, um, don't let it automatically change your mic levels. That there we one, go. Yeah. That was the one that always puts, uh, people behind the eight ball. I had my speakers set to my microphone. Oh. <laughs> That'll do it too. Yeah. yeah. Skype is a finicky, a finicky master. Yeah. yeah. I haven't, I haven't been on Skype in a little while just cause I've been using Discord for the, I'm on a different, an anime podcast right now, so we use that. Oh, hey, how do you like that? I'm, I am increasingly less in favor of Skype the more I use it lately. Um, it's pretty nice cause like, we have, uh, Discord is like a gaming chat. It's like IRC kind of. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you can just host straight from there. And what we do is we have like our own recording software, whatever you like to use. I, I use Reaper. You could use Audacity or whatever. And then we each save our own audio files and we give it to the guy to edit. 
Oh, huh. He does that. But I'm, you need someone who knows how to edit. <laughs> I don't really know, so. And listen to a bunch of different audio files at the same time. Yeah, and like, it takes him a couple hours per thing or something, I don't know. He's gotta like, you know, render or whatever they do, whatever wizardry. Yeah, no, I don't, Calvin is our wizard, our resident wizard, so who knows, man. I just, I hand, I put the files in a Dropbox, and then they come back as a finished podcast, so. He's so much yeah. a wizard, we don't even know where he is right now. <laughs> that is true, yeah, Calvin was supposed to be on here too, but I guess, uh, he must have got held up with something, so. We're all set to go, Nick, uh, we're just, is, uh, is William here too, or? No, he said he couldn't make it. I guess he had to go cover a shift. So, unfortunately, uh, yeah, you're, you're stuck with me and Clay. So, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, but hey, thanks a lot, man, for coming out. We really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, if it was yeah. just me and Clay, it would have been a uh, a pretty a pretty sad podcast. So. We'd have an interesting uh, couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, just back and forth about I don't know, like Isamaru probably, because that's what we were complaining or we we're talking about last podcast. Uh, yeah, I still have to catch up on that. I'm like, God, I've been so busy. So I was at a convention the other week and then doing the other podcast and work full time and. <laughs> yeah, I hear yeah. you, man. Just, just life, right? Yeah. I keep thinking I want to go to Gen Con this summer, but I, I've got a conference I got to go to out of town for like three days prior to it. And I don't know if I can extend a conference out of town on like the opposite end. Like it's in, it's in Rhode Island and then I'd have to go all the way out to Ohio. Like I could drive by my house and like see it and wave on the way, but I don't know if I can swing that. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Well, I've always wanted to go to Gen Con. I think they have like, you can probably get like a one day pass. You know, it's weird. Like, I, I was looking at the passes and it looks, I mean, I've never been to Gen Con, so I don't know if this is a normal thing, but it wasn't a pass like I would get for, like, you know, I've been to like New York Comic Con and like, and like PAX before, and you just get the pass and you just go in. But this one is like, you get tickets for events, which is weird. Um, so I was, I don't know, but maybe I just didn't look at it closely enough. Like, it seems really cool, but who knows. What is it? Uh, Gen Con? Uh, yeah, like you know, they have like vintage tournaments there. Yeah, they have some crazy vintage champs. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually be kind of scared to see who plays vintage and paper. So, but <laughs> I yeah. know several with full sets power. Whew. Oh no! I mean, more power to you, man. I mean, if that's yeah. if that's your thing, you can do that. I mean, I have a car, so that's that's where I put that money. But who knows? My car is worth less than power. <laughs> oh yeah, Same. way less. My house might be worth less than Power Nine, but who knows? Um. So anyway, man, we're gonna uh we're gonna get right down to it here. I'll uh we don't do the we're not gonna do the favorite commander segment like it says in the show notes. Um, and Calvin's not here, so we don't have to introduce him. Uh, so we're just going to jump into community, or we're going to jump into intros first. Um, then we'll do community. Clay, you want to do the, the Patreon YouTube thing again? Uh, yeah, I can try that again. Sure. I mean, just, uh, just to break it up for people who don't have to hear me droning on and on. Um, and then we should be good. I would, hey man, we, we hit six o'clock on the nose last time. So we should be, if not like right after 630, we should be done real, real soon. So I was happy with that last, last segment. We were, we were cruising. You guys uh, just finished one, right? Yeah, we finished two, as a matter of fact. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we decided to do, just because of the way our schedules are kind of lining up, because we're all over the place for the summer, uh, we decided to do them in batches. Um, so we're doing like slightly shorter shows. Ironically, like we would normally get together on a Thursday night and record for like three hours anyway. So, like, what do you think, Clay? Like, we wouldn't even be done with a normal show by now. This is um, only. Like... Cause we started at what? Like three, we started about three hours ago. No, we so, said, yeah, well, okay, yeah, you're right. A little bit after three. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'd probably be like just now wrapping up. Like a normal show. Yeah. Cause we, we and tend to get off topic. Calvin, 
transforms whatever he does and cuts it down to like two hours, taking all the dang bits out, all silence. Yeah. See, so our editing process isn't so much like combining things, it's cutting out all the times we went on weird little rants. Because I'm pretty sure we just have what, one audio recording that we use? Yeah, we just, um, on my end anyway, we're just gonna have one, like just the one file. Yeah. But, uh. So. Anyway, so enough uh, inside baseball, I guess. So, um, I'll give Calvin just a couple of seconds of silence on our end just so we can find the, uh, the start of the show, and then we'll just launch into it, man. Cool. Easy I'm article. I'm having a hard time finding what to cut in this deck, because all these cards are so bad I want to play all of them. Oh, and your spirit of EDH? Cut lands. Yeah. <laughs> I could cut lands, that's the funny part. Play like 30. Yeah, you don't need mana. Come on. No. <laughs> Alright, guys. Uh, everybody ready for community? Yeah. Yep. Sweet. Alright, let's, uh, give a couple seconds and we'll launch into it. So. And I have an example from my Spirit of EDH deck from last night. Excellent. Alright, see, there we go. Now you can finally talk about, um, all your, all your cool, uh, game stories, man. So there we go. We found it. We found a home. So, uh, come back to us, guys, in a couple seconds on your end. Boom. This is good. I yeah. think I'm so glad you can talk about this. At least some some part about this. Because it's just going to be me me asking questions. Because I honestly don't know how to do a room. Yeah, well, <laughs> just wait. Mine, are, mine is going to be very simple. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Clay, are you all set? Yeah. All right. I can I can talk about some dumb stuff. Sweet. All right, we are we are moving Maybe. dumb stuff territory. We'll, we'll we'll try this. This deck has forty eight artifacts in it, so. <laughs> I've always wanted to build Kirkcast though. He seems like I, fun. He seems like a fun guy. That's I actually did build him at one point. Yeah. Oh really? Huh. Yeah. I, uh, I I built him and I infinited a few times and then I got bored. <laughs> yeah. The thing I, is, infinite seems unless like I a... draw my deck, I don't usually infinite the same way like twice within a month. Huh. Yeah. That's, I'm sure you built yours in a different way than I did. Probably. Huh. That's interesting. Um alright, well I guess well what the hell are we talking about it here for? Let's get back into this segment. So uh I'll give a couple minutes of silence and we'll we'll hop in. Alright everybody, we're back with the strategy segment for today. And uh like we said before, we're gonna talk about mastering the art of the Rube Goldberg deck. The over some might call this oh, the <laughs> the overly it, 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 like it roboted out a little bit as you were saying Goldberg. Oh, I was like, Goldberg. All right. Hey, this is awesome. So let's do that again. <laughs> All right, Calvin, completely disregard that one. Ready? All right. A couple seconds, then we'll go. But I don't know if it would show up on your end because you were the one saying. I mean, maybe, but now we just talked about it. So if it's not on our end, I feel like we're not prom like we're making false promises to the audience unless they can hear my garble Goldberg. So uh, we'll we'll just launch it again. Or cards that draw cards into cards that could be drawn. Or, pfft, let me try that again. No, I'm thinking of Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have successfully avoided that movie. Uh, That's a pretty good movie. Life. I keep hearing so. You know, the ironic thing is, like, I teach, um, I teach ninth grade English, and uh, I teach um, uh, the Odyssey to my kids all the time. And so I, I think about, like, just as background, like, playing some scenes, you know, from, from the Iliad or from, or from Troy. But I'm like, eh, 
Eh, nah, probably not. So, one of these days I probably should, though. So, the guy across the hall does it all the time, so, you know. It can't be worse than, like, the Armand Asante version of the Odyssey that I play, which is, like, tops in my book for some of the worst acting on the planet. <laughs> so, um, can't be as bad as The Room. That's all I know. Ooh, I've, ooh, I've avoided that one, too, huh? That's... You gotta watch it with friends. Like, they, they have, like, actual parties where people go into like theaters and watch it it's so bad oh shit i think i that was just on like a countdown of uh of like weird cult movies the other day that i saw now i, I whenever everyone says the room i think they're talking about that movie with j-lo when she was like a counselor and i'm like that's oh, not no. the room that's like the cube or some shit i'm like i'm like why am i always thinking about that um yeah i feel like i have to maybe i could talk my wife into watching that and tell her like it's supposed to be a really good like crazy claim <laughs> movie and just sit there like really serious like oh man this guy's really good don't don't you think? I can't believe you didn't get nominated for this. Yeah. Uh, I think I might do that. I might <laughs> How to Troll Your Wife 101. <laughs> I did that actually. I Sadly, I did that with Deadpool because I really wanted to see it. And uh, I wouldn't, like, most of the time, you know, we'll watch, like, you know, we'll agree on it or whatnot, or we'll trade back and forth with whose who's turn it is to go watch the movie. And this time, she's like, oh, like, Deadpool? I don't know. I mean, she's not, like, a comic book nerd like I am. So. Yeah. I know, but, like, it's totally not. It's not her, her cup of tea at all. And, like, to her credit, like, I will drag her to go see, like, you know, like, she loved the new Captain America movie. You know, she likes the Avengers, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Deadpool, not so much. So the whole time she's like, Oh, well, let me go watch some, uh, some trailers, see what it's like. And I'm like, Oh, sweetie, you can't watch those trailers. I'm like, they spoil everything about the movie. Like, you don't <laughs> want to see that. Um, yeah, so she wasn't super happy for that, but you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just one of those things. It was really good. I really enjoyed Deadpool. So I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. That's all I'm saying. All right, um, I'll give a couple seconds of silence. Clay, you're back, right? Huh? Clay, you're back? Yeah, I'm Okay, here. just making sure. I never I, I, left. Oh, I, I must have read the Skype comments a long time ago then. Oh, yeah, that was an hour ago. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. used to sit back in the chat. Yeah, you did. Okay, so I should probably read more than that. Yep, awesome. All right, uh, so I'll give a couple of seconds of silence, and then we'll get there. Minigas got 